Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. I feel like my best advice for people who are trying to get into the industry or just finishing up their college and want to get in is, yes, what classes you take and what skills you bring are important, um, mm-hmm. but we are very... Welcome to Game Dev Advice the Game Developers Podcast, your place for resources and in-depth conversations with other game development professionals. I'm your host, John J.P. Podlasic. I've worked at 10 different game companies, starting back in 1989 with the TurboGrafx-16. Over the decades, I've developed games like Mortal Kombat, Avengers Initiative, Beavis and Butthead, and numerous others. I now work for a startup called Level X. But this podcast isn't about me, It's about you and the game development community. So if you have questions or ideas, give a call 224-484-7733 or go to the gamedevadvice.com website. So let's kick things off with the new Game Dev Advice. Hey, everybody. Episode number 60, wow, 60, is with Jennifer Javornik. Jennifer is a video game executive who specializes in partnerships, business development, revenue growth, and entrepreneurship. She is currently the Chief Partnerships Officer for Filament Games, a video game studio that specializes in digital games, simulations, and AR-VR experiences for positive impact. She is also a founding member and former executive director of the Wisconsin Game Alliance and currently serves on the Unity Global Education Board. I think you'll find this helpful. Enjoy. Hey, Jennifer, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing very well. Thanks. Um, so what part of the world are you calling in from? I'm calling from the Midwest, the United States, and Madison, Wisconsin. Great town up there. Uh, big town, it's big beautiful football out town. here. Yeah. Football, everybody knows leaves, there loves it. Leaves are changing. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's happening here as we record this in uh, late September. Um, so tell me about your current role. Sure. I'm the chief partnerships officer for Filament Games. So Filament Games is a video game studio that focuses on games for positive impact. So we make games for education, for corporate training, for uh, nonprofits, for startups, for smart toy companies. Uh, Yeah, we're really excited about video games, but we're particularly excited about video games that change the world. That's cool. And how long has Filament been around? I've heard of them, but I don't know a ton about them. Yeah. So we've been around for 18 years. We All three wow. of our fam- founders are still with the company. They were mm-hmm. all in some way affiliated with UW-Madison right. um, at sense. the time where a lot of it was kind of the hotbed of game-based learning research like 20 years ago. They mm-hmm. had some really prominent researchers um, who have now moved on to other universities. 
uh, one of them being James Paul G, Kurt Squire, Constant Steincooler. And, um, you know, he had put out, uh, James Paul G had put out the book that was very important in this field. Uh-huh. I'm going to butcher the title, but it's something like What Video Games Teach Us About Learning. And cool. he was, you know, getting just a lot of requests to make games. And he's like, well, no, I, I've studied the research and stuff. So he was really, he, along with other professors, were really instrumental in encouraging Dan Dan and Alex to establish a company that could make games based on the research that was coming out. Yeah, that's cool to, to feed that research into the company and stuff. Um, yeah. So we, we're not, we've always been an independent for-profit company. We're a mission-based for-profit. Right. Um, and there's kind of ties because they were attending UW as students uh, when mm-hmm. they were urged to create this company, but we don't have any official tie to UW-Madison. I see. I saw you had an IT background too. And, and how did you get started in the game industry? Share that story. Yeah. So I was, uh, for 18 years, I was doing kind of very traditional uh, IT consulting work uh, mm-hmm. with a company that was global. It was a huge $10 billion public company. Wow. And I was part of a group that was focusing on IT solutions for state and local governments. It was really accessing certain parts of myself, but uh, wasn't accessing all the parts. And, you know, really, I, you know, my undergrad was in theater and I consider myself a creative person. I went back and got a master's in information technology. I've Mm -hmm. got the right brain left thing going. So when this opportunity came up with film and games, it just seemed like a great opportunity to kind of apply what I already knew so well professionally in technology, but to be in a technology space that was really creative. And how long ago was, so that was 18 years or, or when did you join? No, I, so nine years ago, I joined. Nine years ago. Games. Okay. Nine okay. years ago this month. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Coming up on so it's really, it was funny because when I was working in IT consulting, I did really love it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it was very kind of serious, very traditional, like big tax systems and financial systems and ERP systems. Right. And oh, yeah, yeah, ERP, always yeah. kind of for fun on the side, I was a professional improv comedian hmm. and I was doing that kind of, you know, on weekends and during the week kind of after work right. um, in parallel with my career in IT. Because if you're living as an actor in Madison, I don't believe anyone is doing it full time. If I'm wrong, someone can correct me. Um, And I just, for years, that was my life. I did this very traditional IT consulting during the day. And then at night, I kind of let loose on stage and did it improperly. And it wasn't, I think it was less than six months after I joined Filament that I just decided to end, retire from my 15 years of improv comedy. Mm. And uh, I think mostly because finally in my job, I was able to be creative as well as technical. and. I felt like, okay, like I don't need this extra thing to do to feel creative because I get to be creative every day. Yeah, that, that fulfill both sides versus like doing one-on-one and then doing the other. And yeah, the other and, stuff like and that. I felt so good. I, I felt like I could be, I remember back to when I started at Filament, I was so formal. Like I had such a formal way about my myself at work because mm-hmm. in my old job, there was just, it was, you know, serious so was. contract work. It was very right. serious. It took Button me a while down. to loosen up a bit. Now, <laughs> you know, the video game crowd is, that formality doesn't always uh, hit very well. So no, no, over no, time, right. I got to just be more myself. And it's been a really great evolution of not only my career, but my personality over the years. 
kind yeah, of getting closer to who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and not being so buttoned down and corporate speak and, and all those kind of things. So that's cool. Um, exactly. So thinking back to when you had started, like, what do you wish you had known when you got in the industry? You kind of talked a little bit about being a little more relaxed and a little more informal, but what else do you wish you had known when you'd started? That's a good question. I mean, I think that is my answer, which is like, I think in this industry, it is a marriage of creative and technical. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there's a lot of space in this industry to bring your unique personality uh, quirks and all. There's just a lot of yeah. acceptance and forgiveness to be your own unique self. Um, mm-hmm. Two degrees where probably previously I would have thought maybe it would be a little inappropriate for the workplace. But now I realize that like, actually that's what makes our workplaces so special is that we do provide a safe, constructive place for really creative minds mm-hmm. to thrive in an environment that encourages people to be unique and bring their whole selves to work. You know, what kind of advice would you give someone right now looking to get that first job here in 2023? Well, there's a uh, welcome to this industry. It's awesome. <laughs> it's also, uh, you know, an interesting fun ride. I mean, I think for, I talk to a lot of people just coming out of university programs um, who have this question. And I always say like, as our industry needs young fresh talent um Mm -hmm. and at the same time most of us are drinking out of a fire hose so (laughs) we are more most likely to hire people who come with the skills we need to start working on day one i think there's also you know Mm -hmm. lucky for everyone there's now all these awesome video game programs across the country but that also means they are graduating a lot of a lot of people with the exact Mm -hmm. same skills that we need so I feel like my best advice for people who are trying to get into the industry or just finishing up their college and want to get in is, yes, what classes you take and what skills you bring are important, uh, Mm -hmm. but we are very practical people. Uh, We want to see what you've made and we want to play the games that you've built or that you've contributed to. So my best advice is to, you know, every time there's an option in your class to just make a video game or go to a game jam. So you have something playable that reflects your talent, mm-hmm. um, do it because it's not enough just to show us your good grades. We're going to not only play right. games that you've made or watch videos of games that you've made, but now a lot of studios are actually also testing, giving people tests, especially mm-hmm. people coming in new fresh from college. So you, yep. it's not only like some subjects you can have an academic understanding. You have to have a real practical understanding of the craft and i think that's mostly on us as studios is we just don't have six months to train people to get them busy like usually if we're hiring it's because we need people who can work right then yeah yeah there's a need it's not like yeah let's hire someone maybe a year from now when they're all ramped up then we'll see if we can you know it's like no we got this thing we need people with these seven bullet points you know yeah and and i think the more than just a resume right like you have the link to those playable demos you have a link to your website your github if you're an engineer like designers having gds and playable demos and stuff like that you know a piece of paper is not enough a resume is not enough you need to show your work and what you've done and be able to explain it and artists need to have breakdowns of what they've done and how they got to that final image because it's always like yeah here's this render it's like 
what did you do, right? Did, did you model? Did you lighting? Did you, you know, it's like you, you want to see the thought process to know they know how to do that thing versus just showing a couple of beautiful renders and saying, hire me. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and test, yeah, like like we do that pretty much every role, right? Like here's an art test, here's a design test, um, especially if they're early career, you know, it, it's like, let's see what they can do. Um, if you're, you know, industry legend in the top 1% or whatever, we can look at your portfolio of your existing work to make that decision. But for people early to mid-career, everyone's got to take a test for whatever that discipline is. Yeah, the other question I get is, is it possible to transition into yeah. a career in video games if you didn't go to school for video games and and we mm-hmm. will hire people who don't have you know who didn't go to college specifically for video games yeah. but um all the things we just talk about are even more important than so even though right. you've never worked at a video game studio we need to be able to play and see the work that you've done on the side even if it's at a hobby even if it's just a game jam even if you just taught yourself mm-hmm. unity and decided to start making games like yeah. that's cool we want to see them and it's definitely possible right yeah it shows you have initiative too and that you've got something to show so yeah um yeah those are all and i'd say that i'd say the last thing too i think people need to think about like so many people come to this industry because they love playing video games and it's mm-hmm. awesome right you ask someone who the, what their favorite yeah. video games are and people get really doughy eyed and you know excited <laughs> to tell you about it yeah. Um, but I guess the other piece of advice is that playing games and making games are actually two different <laughs> things. Like obviously you get to play yes. the games that you make. Right. Uh, but you know, when you're playing games, you're choosing the games you can play and you're uh-huh. going towards games you are personally attracted to. Mm-hmm. When you're making games professionally as part of a studio, you often aren't picking the IP. Mm-hmm. You are you are not kind of picking the game style you are not so think about like would you still like it if it's a kind of game that you wouldn't particularly play or about you know a a content area that you're not gravitating to like you really just have to love making games and you have to Mm -hmm. be flexible on the type of content or game style that you work in yeah you have to love the craft versus the result right yeah and um yeah, I, I think you're right. People get starry-eyed. They talk about that game, and it's like, but you're enjoying it for the end result. You're not making, you're not, you know, as they say, making the sausage, right? Where you're making those tough decisions, and this gets cut because we got to do this, and you know, all those kind of things. You know, I spent five years in QA, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's the greatest job in the world." Like, no, no, not so much, right? Like, you know, a lot of times it's like playing broken games you would never play in your real life outside of work over and over again. You know, often, at least back then in the 90s, it was very uh, late nights and stuff like that. So people and then have your whole uh, team you know, be angry at you that you found bugs. <laughs> right. Like, don't slay the messenger. Don't slay the messenger. I know. It's like, I'm just telling you what we want to do with it from there is your call. But yeah, it. Um, what about advice for someone who wanted like advance your career in business development like yourself? Yeah, sure. So the it depends. So, you know, when you think about video games companies, there's couple different flavors and kind of Mm -hmm. if you want to be on the business side of those studios it's going to look different so filament is mostly a client services organization so we get hired by organizations to make games that the client then owns and takes to market so business development for us is 
going out, trying to find client, new clients for Filament Games, um, taking calls of people who inquire to Filament Games about our services, kind of teaching them about how we work and what our process is, Mm -hmm. uh, putting together, you know, proposals and, and quotes for them to consider and then taking clients through the contracting process. So Right. Literally Sta- for statement of work of, and all that kind of stuff. Statement of work, contracts, yep, and get it across the finish line and then hand it over to the studio to actually do the work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for as opposed to so as opposed to other industries, what I found and what I've had to break some hearts along the way, Filament is a big studio for what we do. We're 70 people and we support mm-hmm. one business development person. It's not like we have 20 people out there pounding oh, the pavement looking yeah, for yeah. jobs. So the jobs are few and far between, and they're um, they're going to be reserved for someone who's a mid to advanced year professional, you know, a senior yeah. professional, um, mm. just because the deal it's a complex sale, you know, it's it's yeah. all services based, relationship based, and it's probably not an entry level. The places right. we have more entry level opportunities are more on the marketing side, which at Filament we do separate separate sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the same at every company. At a lot of organizations, sales and marketing are kind of combined as a division. So right. we will take people on um, early career in marketing. Our marketing assistants do a variety of things, um, not just traditional marketing. So they do come up with social media and blog content. Right. Um, they also, though, kind of plan and help us apply to conferences to speak at. They also mm-hmm. do our community management for like the games that we publish. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there we're just looking for people who have strong written and oral communication and probably have some depths or expertise in social media and blog writing. Yeah. So I don't sense. know what we look for. We don't look for people in for those roles with video games degree, but we do look for people who are passionate about video games and have experience being involved in video game communities. Uh mm-hmm even just as a user so that they kind of understand what the role is about when we come in. You know, in terms of the game industry, like what do you think is an important quality or skill to have? Um, Gen- just in speaking. general? Yeah. Just in general. Like, uh, I know yeah, that's a very I mean, I, broad question, but yeah. yeah, no, but I mean, I think the first word that came to mind was flexibility. Um, Mm-hmm. Technology changes. I've only been in the industry for nine years and it's already changed drastically from when I began to where we are now. Like what's yeah. the types of games that are popular changes and, and you know, companies uh, change in terms of, you know, they acquire companies, they let go companies, they merge, right. they break up. So there is just a, a lot, I think, that is... Um, we're in an industry that is... Highly prone to change. So, mm-hmm. um, and even on game projects, you know, like most of us use some kind of agile methodology that the thing you worked on for three months, we're going to throw that out and do something else. Mm-hmm. And they kind of need to, people need to be flexible and adaptable and be able to roll with things because it's a dynamic industry that does change, not only at the industry perspective, but even while games are being developed, you know. Yeah, because sometimes people get too kind of vested and, and they, they get very personal about something. And if, you know, that level gets cut or something, they take it too personally, right? Like, what do you mean? Am I a bad person? Like, no, 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 it's business. It's business, right? Like, we're not talking about you as a human being. It's just like, there's a reason 
behind that. But when they get people get too passionate about it and they can't detach that or see the business side of it because they're so rigid in their thinking, that can be a problem. So yeah, I think flexibility is definitely key in, in being able to kind of roll with the punches, right? Like things change, uh, scope may change. And sometimes it's not for business reasons. Sometimes it's, you just go through a huge like release testing and some game mm-hmm. mechanics that thought would work just don't work or the UX yeah. is totally wrong and users get lost. Like it was yeah. a good, you know, it was a good try when we made it. We all agreed that we thought it was going to work and then testing revealed that it didn't. Right. So you can't go down fighting for something where, you know, it's proven that it didn't work. So yeah, yeah. it's just, you need to be flexible. I've sat in those focus tests too, where they're looking at your game and you're like watching them and you're like, it's right. No, it's right there. Like, <laughs> like you almost want to yell through the glass. You're like, don't you see it? It's so obvious. But like, you know, when you have blinders on because you're developing that game, you don't realize that. But then you get that fresh perspective. It's like, you have to be able to, you know, accept that and figure out how to pivot. What about advice around developing interpersonal skills, EQ, as they call it, core skills? Uh, you have any thoughts on that? We work in teams in this industry, right? So we mm-hmm. work across discipline in teams, and the quality of the work will really depend on how how that team can communicate. So, right. um, you know, at least at Filament, we say good ideas can come from everything. So even though, for example, we'll have a game designer on a project. A good game design idea could come from anyone on the team. So in terms of, I think part of it is flexibility. I think being able to to articulate what you did, why you made certain choices, and mm-hmm. yeah, the value of your choice is important. But then you also need to be able to receive and incorporate feedback and kind of know when it's your call to make and when it's like someone else's call to kind right. of adapt to the feedback, I think is really important. You know, I think a lot of people choose video games because they think, oh, it'll be nice. I'll work in an office and a team and it's going to be, you know, I think we tr- attract a lot of introverts to this industry. Yeah. Um, and I think so even though you do work in teams, a lot of people who work in video games don't really have to talk to an external client. They're just working together at Filament. You usually do talk to clients. Hmm. So part of it, um, but either way, like I think people come in with this assumption that, oh, I'll just do my work and that'll be it. But we work in teams. We have daily standups. We work in sprints. Like every week or two weeks, we need to agree on what's going to be done. And a lot of those things that have to be done have dependencies across team members. So we need to be able to kind of communicate about where we are, what's working, what's not. Um, And I think a lot of that is practice. I think it's up to, you know, producers to create an environment where people are, feel safe, giving accurate statuses, being able to kind of elevate to the team when they are confronted with problems and ask for help when they're blocked. Uh Um, And yeah, being able to identify, you know, someone's not going to volunteer it, but identify when like one person's stuck and it's holding back the entire team. So they're hard to do a lot of, you know, what happens if you're lucky enough to work in a big enough studio that, that, you know, they provide the opportunity to go through kind of communication training. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the studios aren't big enough for that. So then it, right. Depends on, you know, a lot of, I think, how those skills get developed or on the job. Um, mm. And usually when it's someone, people who are more senior, been there, just are able to model strong communication. 
Yeah. And all those things like, yeah, you're doing stand-ups and, you know, sprint planning and sprint, you know, retros, you know, stop, start and continue, like come up with three things. Or I'm not going to wait till the last day of my sprint to say that I'm only halfway done because I got stuck (laughs) for three days on this particular thing. Yeah. Yeah. As a former producer. Yes. I, I know that. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. And then at the 11th hour, oh, yeah, I guess not. What? What? You know, you were telling me that before that everything was fine. And yeah, yeah, you have to um, keep tabs on people and have good communication and, and have people trust that they can share without, you know, creating issues or whatnot. Yeah, or um, getting fired for saying yeah. that they don't know how to do something. Yeah. And yeah, good places. I shouldn't do anything like that, right? They'd be like, "All right, let's let's show you how to do that," because they're already vested in you, in you as an employee, so they want to help you get better. Um, what's been a favorite game or project of yours to work on? Ooh, that's a great question. It's so hard; I can't choose my favorite <laughs> child. I mean, one of the probably one of the company we've done the most work with over the mm-hmm. years is with a very special organization called iCivics. It was founded by former Justice Sandra Day O'Connor when she was on the bench. And she concluded that the way we are going to, you know, the only way this country works is if every citizen has understanding of how our government works. Mm -hmm. Um, So through a series of events, she she met James Paul G. And decided, you know, for a woman who had never played a video game or hadn't played many video games, decided that not only would she set out to revolutionize civics education, she was going to do all the lessons as video games. Mm -hmm. Um, So they've been around nearly as long as we have. And today they have over, I think we've made over 22 games for them that are all free on their website. Oh, that's cool. Um, now, Justice Sotomayor is kind of the keeper of iCivics. It continues to be a nonprofit. It mm-hmm. continues to be completely free. Who everyone, whoever wants to use it. Uh, in mm-hmm. addition to the games, they've developed all this teacher curriculum and student portals and everything wow, you ambitious. would need. Yeah, yeah, anything you would need to cover actually the whole middle school civics curriculum, you can access for free through iCivics. And they they are just the largest instantiation of a game based learning mm-hmm. core you know core curriculum. Yeah. Um, it's so comprehensive. They're currently like their play numbers are insane. There's something you know over seventy five. I probably am not quoting it right, but some I think it's seventy five percent of middle school civics teachers uses their curriculum. Wow. So. Right. Um, they've really thousand school added. districts or something. So yeah, wow. I mean, they have millions and millions of plays uh, across the board, and then also mm-hmm. just curriculum and teacher dashboards and everything that schools need to be able to use a product like iCivics. They're not all, and they're doing such good work. Like, not only is it a website, they mm-hmm. have mobile versions of all their games. These last few years, they've really invested in making sure that all the games are playable in English and Spanish. And that mm-hmm. there's actually supports in the game for accessibility and for oh, okay. uh, English language learners that are English as a second language. Right. Uh, so they were like, no one is being left behind. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so what are you curious about right now in the game industry? I mean, I am watching from afar. This doesn't particularly affect me about what's happening with all the mergers and consolidations and what's actually oh, the right. end game and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, is it going to be is it going to be great for the 
game industry that we're just ending up with a few superpowers? Right. Um, and what's the relationship with indies and what's going to happen there? Are we just mm-hmm. going to become the movie industry where we just do sequels all the time? Right. For known right. IPs or is there going to be room? You know, like mm-hmm. you read all the statistics about, you know, the video game industry is now bigger than the movie and TV industry combined. Right. And it's like the, you know, as a developer, all of the game platforms are so saturated with content. Like, yes, a lot of people are playing a lot of video games, but right. there are so many video games. Right. Yeah, exactly. So it's interesting. Like, I am not smart enough to see kind of where we're heading with all this. And I can't, I'm curious to see if it's going to be like a pot net positive for the industry. Right. Or if it's going to like halt kind of innovation and growth. Hey, hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, please go to patreon.com backslash game dev advice. We'd love to see if you can support the show and help uh, new episodes keep coming out. That's patreon.com backslash game dev advice. Thanks. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yeah, and when we're recording this, I think I saw today that the UK approved the hurdle around uh, the Microsoft you know, acquisition with Blizzard and stuff. And then part of it goes to Ubisoft for like part of the 15-year contract with the uh, streaming platform and things. So yeah, there's definitely more and more consolidation going on. And then um, I'm also really curious about where we're going to end up in like 10 years in VR, AR, XR, MR. Um, right. That was one of my other questions. Right. Yeah. We're, you know, we're that all that. Well, going such a big, I feel like, I don't know, like a couple years, you know, we were right in the thick of the years where like the three off, you know, cardboards, Oculus Go, yeah, right. Samsung, you know, when those devices were emerging, you know, while they were very simple. They were really good for education because mm-hmm. in a sense, it wasn't a lot of complicated buttons or coordination. Like right. it was actually expenses. Simpler, you know. Yeah. Simpler kind of point and click experiences. Right. Uh, you know, and a lot of those, those opportunities now have faded and there's been so much consolidation. And yet as a developer, you know, who does client work and then we make our own IP, mm-hmm. it's like still, you know, to really have developers kind of put forth in full force our best content, we just need to be comfortable that there's enough people buying the devices and they're not buying 10 right. different devices that we need to account for because mm-hmm. that, of course, is a drain on everyone's budgets. Yeah, the installed base is there, you know, and, and normally what companies would do on the hardware side where the, the base wasn't there, people would shy away. So then they would roll out the money and be like, all right, develop it for our platform. Here's money to support your development because, you know, it's a little risky right now with the install base. So 
yeah, in VR, you know, it was HTC Vive and it was like, wow, it was really powerful. But at the same time, it was like 1700 bucks for the headset and you need a three or $4,000, you know, computer to run it. So it was just so prohibitive in terms of uh, Now we're getting entry. to like amounts that, you know, they're untethered. They're at like a price right. point that a consumer can, you know, consumer or business can adopt. Unfortunately, we had the pandemic where no one to put no one wanted to put anything on their faces, which mm, made yeah. sense, uh, which I don't think at a high level was great for that industry. But mm. I'm more interested in like how it's going to change our way of being. Like, are we going to end up mm. 10 years of now? Everyone's going to have a Vision Pro and we're going to be like vanilla, <laughs> right. vanilla right. skying our grocery list. Right, like, are right. we going to get there? Are we going to be walking down the street and living... You know, both yeah. experience the real world and the digital minority overlay. report. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. 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 And will it become, you know, just common that you're living in both a digital world and the real world at the same time as you walk down the street? Right. You know, we kind of saw the hype around metaverse and then it kind of lulls, but then all the metaverse people are saying, no, it's still happening. And other people are saying, now we're talking yeah, about AI. Overhyped. I mean, right. yeah, yeah, right. We're, where we are in the hype cycle. So I'm, I'm really curious to see. I mean, we discussed our ages. We grew up, you know, without right. personal computers in our home. Look yeah. where we are today. I'm sitting talking to you with three <laughs> monitors in front of me, two computers. Right. Um, it's just interesting to think about. Like XR oh, has going. the most power to really disrupt our daily living mm -hmm. the way we do, as opposed to other technologies. And yeah, I don't right. know if we're gonna get there. I don't know. The devices keep getting better, better and cooler. Uh, certainly right. we want, you know, we're, st we're still actively developing in both VR, AR, or all VR, AR and MR. Mm -hmm. Um, we're bullish, yeah. um, but we'll see. Yeah. We do some stuff with the Magic Leap, um, uh, Magic Leap 2 now, and, you know, it is very powerful hardware. It, it, it's, I think it was a dumb play on the consumer front, right? Because like no one's going to drop three grand for this proprietary stuff uh, with no brand recognition and no you know background behind it. But like in the enterprise space, you do something powerful, you do something cool. Nobody cares about three grand, right? They're like, yeah, whatever. Buy three. I got case two of them break, right? It's that's no big deal. Mm -hmm. So like if you do really cool stuff, you know, in the Magic Leap two in enterprise, especially like around surgery or different things. You know, it's really exciting and really powerful. But yeah, just see where all this goes. And, you know, even AI, like today I was reading about ChatGPT is now doing audio and, and pictures, right? So you can upload images and interact that way. So it's not text-based anymore, right? It, there's actually images and audio going on. They're rolling that out a couple of weeks. So like, how's AI going to factor in all this, especially for games where there's, you know, evolving storylines and procedurally generated environments and all this kind of stuff with AI. Um it's kind of head spinning when you think about it, you know, compared to days going to the arcade. Just yeah, I don't think it's going to be like 20 years from now, right? It's going to no, be like right. yeah, big shifts in like four years, five years, yeah, 10 years. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. not that far off. Things are rapidly evolving. Exciting times and a little scary, but also exciting. And and part of that is just being able to adapt to it and figuring out ways to best use things. And uh, what's a funny or odd story from working in the industry you'd like to share? I do just have a funny story to tell me, tell you, yeah. uh, which I was talking to um, a new potential, potential customer today mm -hmm. that offers um, STEM training to youth. So they're, they're pretty common. They're all over the country. Okay. And uh, they were thinking they're, they've been talking to us because we've done quite a lot in robotics and computer science education. And that's an area of interest for them. 
So we were mm-hmm. just talking and we were doing introductions. And I said, well, you know, I'm actually familiar with your organization as a parent because I have a daughter who's really interested in STEM. And she, when she was younger, when she was 12, she took a Minecraft modding camp one summer oh. and she loved it. Ooh. And he's, they were like, well, that's great. I'm glad you like it. He goes, yeah. I was like, the funny thing that happened was like the first day went really well. And at the time she was in her 10 year obsession with Minecraft. Um, <laughs> right. First day went really well. Second day, I get a text from one of the like very young instructors or I get a phone message from the instructors being like, hey, this is, you know, this is so-and-so and we have your daughter here and everything's fine, but if you can please call us. So I call and mm-hmm. they were, <laughs> this young guy was so embarrassed and he was like, yeah, um, could you come to camp and bring her a new pair of pants? Like she was so <laughs> into Minecraft modding that she peed her pants. And so I was talking to this customer. I was like, so if you're thinking of a rebrand, uh, maybe like our courses are so good, you're going to want to pee your pants. Your pants. And then yes. the guy said, Oh my God, I wrote that curriculum and I kid you not, that's happened more than once. <laughs> really? Uh, okay. That's happened more than once in our camps, particularly for Minecraft. That these kids are just so into it that they right. lose the ability to take five minutes <laughs> to go use the bathroom. Uh, I worked in the slots industry for about a year and a half and uh, that could happen at the other end of the age spectrum when people oh, get sure. so, yeah. you, you know, there, I, I hear stories about people would like, I'm like, what? Like, couldn't walk away from the machine, you know? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what about a, a game you're playing right now that you enjoy? Um, that's a good question. And I, a lot of times I get asked that question and I'm just going to be honest right now. I, uh, I do the spelling bee on New York times games, yeah, um, right. every day. And right. I ask myself and I do it. I mean, don't tell New York Times, but I share an account with my sister so we can do it together. Oh, um, that's cool. mm-hmm. I know. Sorry. Don't hurt. <laughs> I'm probably going to get closed now. But um, so, A, I like it because I feel like I'm spending usually asynchronously, but I'm spending time with my sister every day who yeah, that's you know, I don't see right. every day, which I do like. But B, I, you know, I, I think because what goes on in my brain is... I have this thing where I'm like, oh, New York Times, you think you're so smart and you think I can't do this, but I am going to do this. <laughs> I think it's you. just my daily, like, it's almost like a, like an astrology West. predictor, whether I'm yeah. going to have a good day or not, depending on how <laughs> far I can get on the spelling bee. Right. Um, I don't know. I'm at the point, like, I think and talk about games all day that um, mm-hmm. at the end of my day, I try to leave my computer and devices and do something that doesn't involve right. uh, sitting and playing games, which is a terrible advertisement for this industry, but it's just <laughs> the truth. Yeah, no, and I spent a lot of years developing games and just not really playing games that much outside of work just because you're living it day in and day out and, you know, evolution of the market and different devices and you don't have to do that. Right? You can do team right. units on your and I think just nature, I think if I was in game design or doing something creative right. in games, yeah. I'd want to be constantly consuming games. Yeah, to yeah. what's out there? What's the new genre? Better of my craft. What, what can I take away from this? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So the only games I really play as if like like today i did a bunch of research uh because we have a client who's thinking of doing something in the dementia space so i played a bunch mm. of games about dementia yeah. dementia education yeah. just kind of just see what's out there but that's the, really right. the only time i feel like i play games for work mm-hmm. um just because of my role um 
Is there anything I should have asked you about but didn't? I told you a little bit about iCivics, but I'd love to tell you some of the more out there projects that we've done that are kind of interesting. Yeah. If that would be sure. interesting to you and to your yeah. listeners. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Far I think away. a lot of times people think, you know, as a word studio that makes games for positive impact, you think about, oh, you make math games for educational publishers or you make reading games, which is true. We absolutely do those kinds of games mm. um, and love doing them. But I think what's interesting mm. is some of the games that we've done that are outside of traditional academic subjects, just because sometimes it's ways that people don't think you could use video games. So we've done a few kind of incremental projects with Professor Jennifer Manos at University of Wisconsin-Madison. She's in okay. the veterinary science department and her body of research is around how to improve uh, dairy production through proper handling of cattle and cows. Um, And one of the challenges that she discovered in doing her research is the training to cattle handlers is inconsistent. And really, there's kind of a few techniques you can use so that the animals feel safe and that the oh, what they're being asked better, to do right? is intuitive and then mm-hmm. they're happier and then they produce more dairy. So <laughs> she decided that she applied to her grant and got it. And her whole premise is that if you can, you know, and cattle handlers are people who work with their bodies, like they're out yeah. moving cattle. So right. That's in know, front of a PC. Right. Yeah. yeah. So they're not in front of a PC. They're not necessarily going to listen to PowerPoint. Like they really need hands-on right. instruction. So, you know, we completed a V1 of the game. We're now going back to make some improvements, but essentially she, we worked with her to develop a whole level game on how to properly handle cows that she can just have loaded on iPads so when they oh. go to a farm to like do this training, like every right, cattle, so. every person gets an iPad and they start <laughs> playing through levels. And she's been really thoughtful about kind of when and how to introduce different concepts and in the oh. training. Again, huh. translated into English and Spanish because there's a lot of you know discrepancy in right. what languages can Language. speak. And then also, you know, try to offer supports for people who aren't stronger readers and audio support mm-hmm. so that in case all trying to remove the bat barriers to being a good cattle handler so that's kind right. of a cool <laughs> thing i think another really cool project that we did is actually with a company uh called turing medical um mm-hmm. and they are disrupting the pediatric mri space so oh. one of the biggest issues with pediatric mris is just the amount of Kids time moving? a child has to stay still. Yeah. 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 And, you know, especially it's the children who are the most significant health conditions have to be in the MRI machine for the longest amount of times. Mm-hmm. And what happens is they're already physically uncomfortable. So then they have right. to stay for long periods. And the more that they're not able to stay still, the longer the session goes and it creates anxiety right. and it's expensive. So yeah. they had an idea, which was to essentially attach or suspend a monitor at the, the viewing area of the mm-hmm. child and the MRI machine. Yeah. And we worked with them to create video games that the controller is your body. And the more you stay still, the more you progress in the game. Mm. And it's not an on-off. It's kind right. of a progressive. And essentially what's happening is 
their system can detect movement and kind of provide that feedback back to the operator. So mm-hmm. that same system that detects movement gets branched into the video game and can provide it real-time feedback that mm-hmm. we can reflect in the game. Yeah, no, it, I've this years and years ago, but I, I had an MRI and it was not comfortable and it was a long period of time and it was kind of awkward. So I can just imagine like, you know, a child having to go through that for a longer period of time and not understanding why they have to do that or yeah, just all those challenges. So that's, that's genius, right? Yeah. People are doing amazing things and, you know, like, you know, like in this industry, especially, you know, we work with clients, it's just, all we do is make, you know, people, other people have great ideas and we just come Mm -hmm. and we're like, well, we know how to make it good and make it effective and make it engaging, but uh, they're the ones taking the big risks and having the big ideas of how to change the world through games. And we're just honored to be able to make their, um, their vision a reality. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. So where can people find you online? Like website, social media, stuff like that. You put in show notes. Yeah. So if you want to find out more about Filament Games, we're at filamentgames.com. Mm-hmm. We're uh, we're on all the social platforms at Filament Games. Myself, you can reach me through the Filament Games website. I'm always open to connecting with people on LinkedIn. Um, mm-hmm. Fine. My name is Jennifer Javornik. Yeah. Just last question. like, What's one piece of advice you'd give others working in the game industry right now? I think the game industry is experiencing, you know, we're in the middle of a crazy growth period that seems mm-hmm. unlimited. And you, there's a lot of companies trying to do very big things on very short timelines. And it's really easy to feel like, oh God, I have to again stay at the office all night or pull an all night or stay up all night to get this done or the world's going to fall. But I think also because things are so unstable, I think Mm. we've seen a lot of, you know, unfortunately like that, a lot of big companies are having to make hard decisions and also cutting staff. So I would just say, take care of yourself, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, position yourself to like always be learning and gaining new skills and keeping your skills and mm-hmm. portfolios up to date because you just never know. Right. Um, you know, we're in a growth industry, but it's also pretty fickle and you just never know what's going to happen. So yeah. think critically about your own career path and where you want to be and take the incremental steps so mm-hmm. that you're kind of always ready for what's next and that you can be proud of the path that you charted for your career you know, irregardless of what companies you joined along the way. Yeah. Kind of manage your own career and not just be subject to the the whelms of the company you're at or what's going on, like like take ownership of that. Yeah. Cause right. I've been through a couple layoffs previously in my career and it's always, you know, better a year later, but it stinks when it happens and stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of it too. Like the M plus dev 2023 is November 10th and you and I are going to be on a panel in Madison, Wisconsin, right? Is there anything you, you will be on a panel. I had the privilege of putting the people together on the panel. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought you were on the panel. Uh, but okay. you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. Thanks so much for bringing that up. So the Wisconsin Games Alliance is a nonprofit that focuses on growing the game industry mm-hmm. uh, in our state, but also across the Midwest. So several years ago, we started MDEV, which is a conference for the Midwest game development community to come together um, to network, to learn, and to grow and facilitate connections across the Midwest. So there is so much going on at the show. Every year we decide to add one more thing and we've been doing it so many years that it's just gotten (laughs) huge. But uh, we have a great 
event the night before that's very social and it's really easy to approach anyone at this conference. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to make sure to let people know don't skip the night before event because it's a great kickoff. Yeah. At the event, we have keynotes and notes and five different tracks of speakers all day. We run an mm-hmm. art show where it's free to submit. You just need to be present to win. And we offer cash prizes in both um, game art and game animation. Mm. Uh, we yep. do a game showcase. So we invite any developers across the Midwest to either showcase games in development or recently released. And then mm. uh, we provide a space at the conference for people to actually play your game and give you feedback. This year, what's different is we've always offered it to MDEV attendees, which we're still going to do, but it's going to start at lunch. And then at 5.30, we're going to actually open that part of the conference to the public because um, to get more people in front of your games. Mm -hmm. um, Again, it's kind of free to have a game in the game showcase. You just need to pay to attend. Yeah. And then lastly, we do an esports tournament. And this year, we actually decided to do two parallel esports tournaments. Oh, so, wow. okay. uh, Respawn this year opened a studio in Madison, Wisconsin, which was a big deal. So, kind of in celebration of that, we're going to be our main tournament is going to be an Apex Legends tournament. We're really excited about that. Oh, right. We're also hosting a mystery game tournament so that uh, you just kind of show up at your time slot to play a game and you find out when you get there what game you're going to play. And it's all hmm. going to be featured games made in the Midwest. Cool. I've heard it before. This is the first time I've got involved with it. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to be part of it and see what, what it's all about. Well, thank you for your time tonight. I appreciate you getting a chance to talk like this and learn more about your background and see you there uh, in Madison. For sure. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Game Dev Advice, the Game Developers Podcast. Go to the website at gamedevadvice.com and you can find the show notes along with show notes for all the other episodes. Please also check out the new Patreon page at patreon.com backslash gamedevadvice. Have a lot of options up there for how you can support the show. Again, that's patreon.com backslash gamedevadvice. Thanks again for listening and being part of the show. Take care. Bye-bye.